another welcome to all of you. Delighted you're here this morning. And we continue this uh, series, Christ in the Chaos, um, and it continues to happen. I want to kind of break it down a little bit this morning to maybe help us have a little better understanding, but also some um, help, if you want to call it that, in this process. So the thing I want to address, I'm going to get to in a minute, is personal chaos. We have a lot of chaos in our world, but... We have a lot of personal chaos, and I get that we have an enemy who hates us, that's for sure. He will do whatever he can to bring destruction, to bring uh, division, to bring whatever. And that's, that's his job. He's good at it. He's been practicing a long time. But we have a God who is much greater. And so with that being said, I want us to look at this first, and then I want to kind of give at least from my personal view a way to handle some of the chaos that exists today truly I say to you in the book of Mark chapter 13 this generation will not pass away until all these things take place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away but of that day or hour no one knows nor even the angels of heaven nor the son but the father alone Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when this appointed time will come. So Jesus says, I'm coming back. That's what that's all about. Do you understand? Does everybody in the room understand he's coming back? Okay. We don't know when. He tells us that. And when somebody tells you they do, tell them no, they don't. Because Jesus says you don't. It's real simple. So that's a part of the world that we have nothing to say about, as it were. God says, I'm going to let this world that I created go so long. And when I get to a certain point, and there are certain uh, aspects of that we'll continue to cover as we go through this series. But when I get to a certain point, I'm going to say it's enough, and that's going to be the end. I would hope that all of us would look forward to that. But the truth of the matter is that we don't. Well... I want to see my kids grown. I want to see my grandkids grown. When all the time the Word of God says we're not even promised tomorrow. I've looked back over a number of funerals that I've been involved in the last few weeks. And most of the people that I've had the honor of helping with the services have been younger than I am. We don't know. We do not know. The point of Jesus saying, I'm coming back, is for us to be alert and be ready. And yes, as much as we love our kids and our grandkids, as much as we want to see things happen in their lives, let me tell you what. I've never been there, but I've 
read about it and I've heard about it. And there's a place called heaven. And I got to tell you, everything I've read, everything I've heard says it's way better than what this is right now. So that's, that's part of our world. We should be living with an anticipation and expectation that Christ is coming. And with his coming, all the chaos of the world will end. But in the meantime, let's look at these verses that hopefully have become very familiar. I've only got the reference up there. I'm going to read it for you. From 2 Timothy chapter 3, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied his power. Avoid such as these. That's a messy world. And sadly, when Paul wrote that back in the first century, he was describing the day and the time which you and I now live. And so we're the ones that God has chosen to live in this time of history when all this has taken place. And as we pay attention to the news media, we realize that something's happened on a grander scale. And so let me read this scripture for you. Like I say, a lot of these I just referenced for you to uh, hopefully take a note and look up later. First of all, Paul says in Second or First Timothy chapter 2, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. You know what that's saying? We are to be heavily intentionally involved in intercessory prayer one for another that's fact but we're also to pray for the kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity now what that's saying to all of us is we have a responsibility a call of God upon our lives to pray for those who lead us that would be our president, our vice president, our Congress, anyone who has authority, our local leaders, our bosses, families, pray for your dads and your husbands. All of that is supposed to be done on a very regular and consistent basis. Now that's going to help us as we walk through chaos because here's the thing. If all I ever did was watch the news... And it doesn't matter which one you watch. They're all biased, one way or the other. Then I would find myself so prejudiced, either for or against someone who holds a political office. But instead, the Apostle Paul says, it is our responsibility to stay on our face, our knees, and in prayer for those who have responsibility over us. So let me ask you a question. Do you have anywhere in your process of prayer where you're praying for those 
who lead us. Simple question. Is that something that is a consistent work that God is doing through you as one who intercedes for those who lead us? Because, see, you see, it doesn't matter whether we voted for them or not. It doesn't matter whether we even like them or not. The illustration is given of a highway patrolman. So you're driving on I-77, and you're doing 85 and a 70, and you get pulled over. Let me ask you this question. Does the attitude of that patrolman make any difference about how you broke the law? He broke the law. If he comes up, in fact, it was interesting because Brian McDougall shared this with me. I hope I got it right. That they used to have a patrolman who smiled all the time. Is that right, Brian? And so people would think that he was actually making fun of them while he was writing them a ticket. And according to Brian, he just liked to smile and he smiled. So that guy can come to your door, or now girl, can come to your door and be really nice or be really mean. (laughs) You broke the law. So as we live in this world that God has placed us in, and we live in this country that God has placed us in, then we should be grateful to him that he has and be very consistent and persistent in our prayer for those who lead us and make sure we're not the ones for violating the laws that are given to us. So that's one thing we can do to help with the chaos. We can make sure we're definitely intentionally involved in intercessory prayer for those who lead us on whatever level that may be. And then the next one is the family. I'm kind of going at this backwards, so just bear with me. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Did you ladies hear that? Can I ask another question? Are you doing it? It's only right if we read Scripture to determine if that's actually something we're doing, not just hearing the Word, but doing the Word. For it says in this Scripture in Ephesians 5, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought also to be subject to their husbands and everything. Now I realize there's a lot to cover in that. But let me just go to the next verse and maybe can kind of help out. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You want to help some chaos in your life? Get your home in order. Dads, husbands, man up. Be the spiritual leader. Don't keep passing it off to mom because she's much better at it. And she is. I'm sorry. They're just, they're just better at some things. But we're not excused. We actually work in partnership for that to be done. Husbands, love your wives. How? Christ loved the church. Well, how much did he love the church? Oh, he gave himself for the church. So husbands, are you giving yourselves 
to your wives as Christ does for the church and then we get into the thing of the chicken and the egg which one goes first does the husband love first or does the wife submit first who cares just do it and watch how God divine sovereign holy righteous God can intervene into a situation in a family when it's ordered according to his order and it works the next verse in chapter 6 I didn't put it up there but verse 1 children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your mother and your father for this is the one commandment that has promise the first one has promise so all the young people in the room that are still living under your parents roof they're still buying the groceries and paying the bills I got tickled one time when I was watching a show and this college student was all about her independence and she was just creating all sorts of havoc in their family and she, and she says to her father you have no right to tell me what to do because I'm independent his response was oh really who's paying your tuition who's paying your bills who's providing for your car I'm sorry they're still at home they have a responsibility now wise parents know how to move the fences because you want your kids not one day when you just say okay you've been here long enough time to go no you've been very carefully with the hand of God upon your life helping them with the hand of God upon their life getting to that place of maturity when they are ready to go that they can do so and be unto God as they should be whether they're leaving to just pursue a career or they're leaving because they're getting married whatever the case may be it doesn't matter as long as we're doing it as God has us do it but I'm telling you a lot of the family problems that we see happen today is because there's no order in the home that's really simple so if there's chaos take the time go before the father determine if this is exactly what God wants to be done or what he wants to help you because it's not as it ought to be. And it's, and it's a process, folks. My goodness. She's not been at it over 50 years. We're still learning and growing in it and plan to until the day we die. It's a process. Don't, don't look at your mate and say, well, they're just not perfect. Well, look in the mirror. Neither are you. Because I have to do that all the time. So this is just to help us look at some things that are very elementary and can help us with chaos or at least to eliminate some chaos in our lives. This scripture in Romans 13. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, listen carefully now, this is just given as Paul writes to the Romans, but comes to us today. He says, listen to this. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. And you shall not covet. 
and if there's any other commandments. He says, if I'm not covering it all in this, let it be summed up like this. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because love does not wrong the neighbor, therefore love fulfills the law. So it's kind of like the farmer, okay? So the farmer decides, I want a big crop of corn. What does he do? He plants a lot of corn seed, right? Well, let's say he decides he wants a big crop of soybeans. What does he do? He plants a big crop of soybeans. So what if you decide, what I really want is love. What do you plant? Love. What if you say, you know, I really want to see this big harvest of joy. What do you plant? How about if you really want to see a big harvest of peace? What do you plant? You plant peace. The law of return is so real that it's not funny. He goes on and says, do this knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from the sleep. And now salvation is near to us, nearer than has ever been believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity or sensuality, not in strife and not in jealousy. Isn't it interesting that when you read the list that the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write here in Galatians and other places, we think of sexual issues as being worse than other things, and and they're bad. Nope, (laughs) they are. But it's interesting that he always partners it with other things like strife and jealousy and gossip and slander because as God, holy God looks at us, he's He's looking at the fact that, yes, there's sin in our life. Yes, that sin should be confessed and repented of. And yes, the blood of Christ covers that. But we want to be careful how we respond to that. Because the next verse that we have in Romans 12, 10, it says, Be be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another in honor. That's our job. How will we do it? It's up to us, and now let's get to the kicker. Here we go. One of my favorite portions of Scripture. I have many, by the way, but this one's really good because it seems so difficult in our world, in our Christian world today. This this one just, it's amazing. Matthew 7. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Now. A lot of people read that and say, oh, well, you can't judge me. I got verse and chapter for that, boy. Do not judge. That you be not judged. Let's look at the next verse. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard that you measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, the whole point is I want you to help each other. But I want you to be sure you do it in the way that I have determined you to do it. And that is you make sure that that stuff's not in you first. In other words, you judge and understand that as you do so, that's the judgment that God's going to impose upon you. A young couple moves into a community. And this young wife, who apparently has been raised well and she's quite the housekeeper... She and her husband are sitting at breakfast, and she's looking out the window, and she sees the neighbor hanging out of clothes. Yes, it's an old story. Hang on. <laughs> and as she watches her neighbor hang out her clothes, she looks at her husband, and she says, oh, my, oh, my. That woman's laundry. I, I wish somebody could help her. Her whites are dingy, and her colors are not clear. Somebody needs to go see her and help her so she can have a much cleaner laundry. Time goes on and every time the neighbor hangs her clothes out, she has criticism of her neighbor. Of how badly the whites look and the colors aren't vibrant. And even though she does nothing to help, she just continues to give this criticism of, I wish somebody would help this woman so she could have a cleaner laundry. This is horrible. One morning she gets up and she notices her neighbors out hanging up clothes. And to her surprise, the whites are bright. The colors are vibrant. She looks at her husband and says, oh, look what's happened. Somebody has taught her how to do laundry. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And the husband says, well, that's not really what happened. What really happened was I got up this morning and cleaned the windows. (laughs) I hope that will stay with you for a while. So often when we are so critical... And so judgmental of others. We're seeing it through a lens, and that's what the scripture is saying. That is distorted, dirty, needs to be cleaned. Now, why did I bring that one up? Well, because here's the fact. A lot of the chaos in our lives is brought, about, brought on ourselves by, because we are unwilling to forgive others. We look at them critically. And with not even knowing all the components of what's going on as this was in this story we're so judgmental and so condemning and then we're unforgiving we're the church of Jesus Christ we are the forgiven people everybody here knows that right so what is there that any of us can do to any one other of us that would not be forgiven. And I'm not saying go about doing rampant, terrible things so that somebody can forgive. I'm just saying it's life as things happen. 
we determine our response and how that response is going to be measured. So in James chapter 3, it continues kind of along the same thing, same theme, because it's talking about the tongue. You ever heard about the tongue? And I've told you guys, as old as I am, that's the one instrument that I have that continues to get me in trouble. It just blows my mind. It is not, or it isn't that I don't pray for the Holy Spirit to work and control my life, and He does, but there are times. There are other times when I just watch with amazement the things that God does to allow me to speak in such a way that there is no question. Recently, I've been involved in, as I mentioned, a number of funerals, and some of those funerals have been very difficult situations. And I'd walk away amazed that God allowed me to speak and used me to speak to families who are going through some very, very difficult and terrible times. And then I'll turn around and say something not so good. So here's what it says. And James, I'm sorry, let me back up. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men. Who has been made in the likeness of God. See, when we curse another person, we're cursing someone who God created in his image. From the same mouth, both blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a fountain send out fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, promote or produce olives and figs? Can a fountain produce salt and fresh water? No. So those among you who are wise and have understanding, let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, if you are selfish and ambitious in your heart and arrogant and you lie against the truth, this wisdom is not from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, it's even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambitions exist, there is order, and I'm sorry, disorder, chaos, in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, and gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Again, we all mess up. I mess up. The question is, how willing are we to allow God to use us to bring peace to any situation? See, a lot of the chaos that we experience on our personal level can be dealt with just by taking the time to spend time in the Word of God and taking the time to let the Holy Spirit of God speak to your life and watch what He does. Because that's the God we serve. Colossians 3. This kind of sums it up, at least for me it does. Whatever you do... Do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. In other words, why do you do what you do? 
ladies and gentlemen, because it's, it's become more and more because wives are working, have been working now for some time, where the home is a responsibility of both. And you learn who does what things best. In mine and Sheila's case, it's worked out very simple. She does everything best. That's a joke. Well, excuse me, she does everything best. But my participation is to help her as she does what she does unto the Lord. Right? Why do you have a a clean home? Because you do it unto the Lord. (laughs) I remember this phrase. You can eat off their floor. And now you ask, where's the floor? Whatever you do, you do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. It's not for the acclaims of men, it's for the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Hallelujah. That's who we serve. That's why we serve. And if we serve for any other reason, no matter how good intended it may be, it is for the wrong reason. Our lives can so often be relieved of much chaos. And I could dive into all these and spend a long time. I'm not going to do that. I know you guys are smart and I know you all, if you're no Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living within you so you'll let him work. You'll take time to go to the word. And the truth is, nothing you've heard here today is any different than something you've heard previously. Because we're consistent about the teaching. Whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord. You're not doing it for men. You're doing it for him. So, husbands, wives, kids, for him. Work students, for him. Ministry, serving, for him. Doesn't matter. It's all for him. If it's not for him, then we're wrong. You see how a lot of chaos can be removed? Didn't didn't you just kind of feel a little peace there? Like, okay, wait a minute, that just, that just made sense. It resonated with my spirit. That this is, this is how you can be one of those people who help bring peace to any situation. Because there will be many. I promise you. Thank God, there will be many. Because every one of those is an opportunity for us to determine how we're going to respond. How we're going to react. How we're going to live. And how our life will test, be a testimony to the reality of our Christ. So in this chaotic world, as we take those simple steps of ordering our families and our lives <clears throat> according to his word, we watch his glory be revealed. Holy Spirit, thank you now. Let's just pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you now. Thank you, thank you for your work of grace, your majesty, all that you're doing, all that you've done. We just absolutely trust right now 
that you're doing that good work, Father. That Jesus, all your sacrifice has not been wasted. All the grace given has brought about a good work. And thank you for placing in this auditorium today people who are sowers of seeds of love and grace and peace and joy. And thank you that we all live with this heart of forgiveness that you had, Lord Christ, on the cross when you said, Father, forgive them. Those who crucified you, those who accused you, those who tried you, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's why we are forgiven people, because of your work on the cross. And that's why we forgive with such great joy and abundance, because it's you and us that makes a difference. We bless you, Father, and we thank you for this day, the day you made. And we rejoice in it, in Christ's name. Amen.